Hi, I'm Kevin Harrington, an original shark from the hit television show Shark Tank, and you're listening to the Underdog Podcast. I've been too high up to fall, question marks, what's up with y'all? All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, underdogs, underdogs. All we know is over time, barking like some underdogs. Underdogs, 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 underdogs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Underdog Podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me today. Peter, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. Before this call, I'm like, hey, Sir Peter, where are you? He's like, I'm, I'm in LA. And I'm like, I'm in Boston. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we kind of have had Boston weather here for the past three months, I think. So it's, it's gloomy. It's just gray. It's almost reminding me of when I lived in Denmark. <laughs> oh, yeah. my goodness. Well, it's uh, been weird. So I was, in, I was in L.A. in April, and I was cold. And I was like, this is a very weird experience. I don't exactly. know why. And then I drove through, and I'm looking up, and I'm looking at the mountains, and there's, like, snow on top of that. And I'm like... Am I in Cali? Like, where? <laughs> where, where yeah, you can literally I? go snowboard and surf the same day. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's been so, wild. So crazy. My goodness. My goodness. Well, aside from that, I'm super excited to have you here today, my friend. I love your energy and your radiance. <laughs> I can't wait to get into your story. I mean, and it sounds like such a fun one. Like the fact that you have turntables right behind you <laughs> already gets me excited. We were just talking about like, you know, DJing and stuff right before. And I was telling you like, hey, that's what I used to do in college. And yep. I used to have so much fun. Yeah. So can't wait to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm going to start you off with my one of my favorite questions, my first introductory questions for you. So what inspired you on your journey to where you are today, my friend? That's actually a tough question for me because I've, I feel like everything has just been just a, a series of new fun things that kind of like dump in front of me uh, since I was a kid. Uh, just like then that happened and then something else happened because of that. And then, you know, so... I can't even say there's something particular. I know, I know when I got inspired uh, to become a DJ. I know exactly when that was. That was like uh, probably in third grade or something where I saw like a, a DJ at a school dance. Uh, and I was like, that is what I want to do. Um, and that that's, I, I feel like has probably been the, the, uh, the real, like the first, or maybe also the only real conscious, uh, you know, inspiration, if you if you will. Uh, of course, there's a lot of inspirations in in terms of you know uh, things you see along your way, but uh, but where I've actually seen something, I said that's that's what I want to do. That's that was that, and that kind of just kickstart kickstarted like that whole whole avalanche of uh, of stuff. I love that. I love it. So, I mean, I guess fair to say as a kid growing up, you wanted to be a DJ since you said third grade. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That is so badass. So, so when you saw this, so when you saw this DJ at yeah, that, was yeah. it the school dance? It was just, it just looks so cool. And, 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 you know, like the way he, so for me, it's, it's, it's never been about, you know, being seen, like it's not being an artist or, or getting the attention. It's really about being able to give people a good time, you know, and, and just like ho host, if you will, uh, you know, have have a be able to play some some records and see people go bonkers to it. That is what I love about it, and 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 that was what I saw him do. I saw him, you know, how he could, you know, make everyone go go crazy just by playing a song on, and you know, a CD back then, right? So it's like that. That was just so cool, and. And then I started, you know, DJing to my friends' birthday parties, you know, with two ghetto blasters and stuff like that, way before I could even afford any equipment. Or so yeah, it's, it's it's just I just like the feeling of you know 
hosting a party, if you will. I absolutely love that. I always say like, it's about, it's about energy. It's about like, first off, as a DJ, you get the best views yep. of whatever's going on, which is hilarious. That's number one. And, but like setting, there's something to be said about creating a space and, a, and an energy where everyone can kind of come together. Cause music's one of those things that regardless of where you're from, if you hear that rhythm, you get yeah, it spot on, you know, it's like the universal language that everybody can understand. Now I can't say that, you know, we can understand the words all the time. Right. You know, sometimes, sometimes I play Spanish music and people are like, do you actually know what he's saying? And I was like, I don't, and I don't <laughs> yeah. want to know. I'm just, I need the rhythm. <laughs> it's spot on. Yeah. I mean, you could, you could just see that the, there was that trend a few years ago with mumble rap, right? I had no idea what they were saying, but everyone's kind of like rocking to it. Uh, and yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> It's it's funny how that works, but uh, yeah, it, 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 I mean, I I, I had a uh, son a year and a half ago. He's he's you know still pretty young, but he's walking around like the second he could stand up, he just started rocking every time there was like some kind of beat, and and it, it has to be like some really defined rhythms or something. Like he just instantly started rocking, and he was very rare. Like he he could barely stand up at that point. Um, so you know, it's it's very deep in us. I think it's just something that we can't live without. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. energy, right? At the end of the day, it's just energy. And it's the way that we can all kind of connect together. So when it comes yeah. to music, I'm like, oh man, put me anywhere. I'm so, I'm so excited for it. I just remember like back in the DJ days of my college days, like we had so <laughs> much fun, you know, it's just like, you can't beat that. So I'm not surprised that you love that um, since, since a kid. So walk me through your childhood. So you mentioned that you, you lived in Denmark. Yep. Born yep. in Denmark as um, well. So I born and raised up in a little bit north of Alborg, which is a small, like in a small town with five thousand people, uh, really in the middle of nowhere. Grew up there, and it was a very safe area, you know. And, and, and but I grew up with a with a single mom. We didn't have a lot or anything like that. But you know, I can't say we we're poor. I feel bad saying that because you know, Denmark, you're not poor. Like no, no one is. If compared uh, to Danish standards, we didn't have a lot. And so I just lived with my mom. She left, uh, you know, for work every morning at five and got home at eight at night to, to, you know, supply. And, and so I, I kind of like just had a lot of time doing uh, interesting things. I would say like I, I started just throwing myself into all these different projects. And all of a sudden I was in the newspaper, which led again, these avalanches, right? That to me being on a local radio show, being interviewed about some stuff I had made. And then all of a sudden I was uh, on national radio. And then from there I, I became a reporter from, for national radio as a kid, like I, I think I was 11 years old or something. So it's like, and, and and actually from there, I, I went on to to do TV, uh, also as a, as a kid reporter, like traveling around the, the country just to interview other kids on a t- TV show on national TV as, at age 12, I think. So it was just like really just because one led to the other, to to the next, to the next, and I was just on board, you know. So all of a sudden I was on on, uh, on a talk show when I was 12 years old with um, like national, the biggest talk show in Denmark at that point, Saturday night at eight, eight o'clock. And yeah, I mean, that, that was my childhood. <laughs> That's insane. What? What? So you were a reporter, a DJ, a host by the time you were 12 years old. Yeah. And then, you know, at that point, I was like, okay, uh, now I'm over that. Now I'm going to do internet because the internet was fun. Uh, That was just, that was in 1997 or eight or something like that. So right when the internet started really becoming a thing. uh, So I created a website for really, I had a couple of friends who were really good at drawing and I wanted to, you should put those on the internet. And so people can see them, these things you guys make. So I made this website, they put them up and other people started sending it. And all of a sudden I had created 
basically the first and biggest community for artists in uh, Scandinavia at age 14, I think. And then that was kind of my teenage years uh, until I was 17, 18, where I was like, kind of, okay, I'm, I'm kind of over that project. So I sold that website and became a DJ instead. <laughs> That's... Oh my God. I love that. My goodness. So you stepped into DJing at 17. Yeah. Well, that, after that's doing all these projects. That was when I, I kind of uh, got my first real club gigs. Uh, in Denmark, you have to be 18 to get into a nightclub. I think I got the first couple of gigs when I was maybe a couple of months before 18 at, at, at real nightclubs. Um, and then from there, it kind of just went bigger and bigger, pretty much just like, uh, you know, starting at a local club in my little hometown, a little bar, and, and then from there to the next bigger city and, and, and bigger clubs. And, and all of a sudden I was playing three times a week, every single weekend. And I did that for, I think, 15 years, something like that. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and how, so how was that experience? Like what were some of the clubs and stuff that you played at as uh, a DJ? Yeah, well, I mean, it definitely it started small you know like local local little things and and then in the region where i grew up there's um, a mid-sized city and i think it's the fourth biggest city in denmark and they have like a bar street like a lot of bars like collecting one and, and and all these nightclubs and bars and i started getting gigs there and and i became a resident there did that for for a few years until i met a couple of uh, guys on the internet that made music as well i started interesting of actually making the music and, and being like into that kind of stuff so met a couple of guys and we, we started a band together and uh, made a couple of songs and all of a sudden we got a record deal and we went to germany on tour and was down there for a while and and then you know the club clubs got bigger and, and, and actually started the really big shows and uh, did that for a while and started the record label and then i kind of burned out Wow. Oh my goodness. Holy cow. That's a hell of a journey. My goodness. So you started your own record label as well. Yeah. That was in, in my twenties. I, wow. I figured, well, I mean, I can do what those guys are doing. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I couldn't see why not. So I started a record label and I, I got a couple of, of uh, I think we released maybe 30 records or something like that in, in that name. And Eventually, I at that point, it was mid-20s, I hadn't learned to say no at that point. So I really just burned out. I, I took too much in, not just burned out, but I also started burning bridges because I couldn't follow through on, on all the things that I said I wanted to do and I, that I generally wanted to do. But you know, if, if you if you say you're going to do something, you got to do it, right? So otherwise, you start burning bridges. And I, I, I started doing that. And my manager pulled me aside and she had a, a really serious talk with me, uh, told me, hey, you, you can't do that. This is going to ruin you know, your rep reputation is a small industry and these kind of things. So how can we fix that? So I ended up selling my label, uh, moving back on my mom's couch for a couple of months um, and really just rethinking what I was doing and, and, and what do I do next? And that was like, I think I was maybe 24, 25 at that point, a lot of success. And at the same time, you know, I was about to ruin everything for myself. Let's say like that. Yeah. And I mean, it's crazy because I find that people who are like hyper successful, right? Like we have this thing where like boundaries are like the hardest thing in the world for us because we want to do everything. Yeah. We want yeah. to be everything for everyone. And then not realizing the toll that it takes on us. You know what I mean? Like over time it's, you know, I, yeah. I started in business when I was like 10 years old. So, you know, so I get, you know, and then moved up hyper successfully and then you get to a point and you're just like, it catches up with you. So I'm interested to hear in your experience, like how you kind of experienced all of that. And like, what were some of the things that got you through and some of the lessons? I definitely had to reset at that point. I, I, I would say I've always had to kind of work hard for everything I do. I've, I've never, I mean, I'm not, you know, the talented one that uh, just has everything, but I'm extremely persistent and, and very, very, 
stubborn, I would say. So if someone tells me I can't do something, I okay, now I'm definitely gonna do it. It's, it's kind of like Pippi Longstocking. She has this, uh, she says, uh, I've never tried that before, so I'm sure I can do it. That's kind of the mentality I have. And if someone tells me, no, you can't definitely not do that, then oh, let me show you. So I've always had that. And that's why I probably also worked so focused and so hard on on becoming the best and, and wanting to, you know, show all the ones that, that tell me that I'm not good. And that's probably also why at some point I just got too much because if you work hard enough, you you will get success at some point, you know, and, and, and some kind of degree. I mean, I'm not saying you're going to be the biggest star in the world or whatever you're working on, but you will get to some degree if you just put in enough hours. That's my belief and really work hard on it. But I guess my problem was that I then just took it too far. I just wanted to you know, keep going and full force. So yeah, I, I had to reset. I um, I sold sold the label and, and kind of just actually pulled out of music. I still DJed a little bit on the weekends, but kind of pulled back from the music industry a little bit and and um, and actually got a job as a as a uh, first line tech supporter in, a, in an IC company uh, wow. for for a few months uh, and just sat there and and really just because you know I I wanted to. Of course, one thing is. Yeah, I got ev- evicted from my farm because I, I, I always invest everything. I, there's no halfway. Uh, I, I I go full on everything I do. And it doesn't always work out, obviously. Uh, if it did, that would almost be, be boring. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's uh, yeah, I definitely have to work for things. Uh, and I moved back on my mom's couch uh, for a while. And then I got a job as a first line tech supporter to, and, and actually just pulled back from the music industry for, for maybe a year or a year and a half um, just to kind of regroup, I guess. Um, I had kind of fed up with it, uh, I guess, for the first time. And then, yeah, I just uh, went into the tech industry at that point uh, or back into the tech industry uh, <laughs> for the second time, right? Right. That's so fascinating. Well, they mm-hmm. say sometimes too that, you know, if you're really struggling with something and you're in an environment that, you know, is causing that, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. The best thing to do is pull yourself out of it and yeah. put yourself in a new environment. That, that, that was that was really what I did. Yeah, at that point, I, I literally just like pulled pulled back out and said like, I mean, I, I still played a couple of DJ gigs because I still had to to make some money uh, somehow, and that was really the only only income I have uh, at that point. But uh, yeah, I I, uh, I guess I the whole thing about the business side of it, I was too young for it at that point. I think I, I'm I'm not per se a great business person. I'm very creative and uh, entrepreneurial, but the business or management side is not my strong side, and that's where my wife comes into the picture because she is great at that part. And uh, we make a good team on, on our company today. But so I, I feel like I, I definitely burned a lot of bridges. And, and, you know, you live and you learn. And that was a huge life lesson for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, who or what were some of the people that or things that inspired you to, kind of throughout the journey as you were kind of elevating even in music and then got into tech and all of that? I would say I I'm always just naturally curious and 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 I mean so I have raging ADD. I didn't find 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 out about that until a few years ago because when I was a kid, there was no label for for that. There was ADHD, you know, where you run backwards up the wall and and can't sit still. But I don't do that. I can sit still and I just have a hard time focusing on things I'm not interested in. And that was essentially what my parents were told my whole childhood. I did great in school and in terms of uh, uh, language class and these kind of things, but math, not good at that because I'm not interested in it. And so, you know, like having that whole brain, if you will, is definitely more defining in terms of, of inspiration because I, I really just 
get into stuff. I don't necessarily find inspiration in any thing or person. It's more just like, I just need to know everything about whatever it is that I become interested in. And I need to just like do that. And then of course I see uh, a lot of uh, cool cool ones and I learn a lot from other people. There, no doubt about it. I'm not saying that I'm just doing everything myself, but you know, I I, uh, I really just uh, get into things in, in a degree, uh, probably even more than most people because of, of that condition or whatever you call it, a diagnosis. I've always had this small goals kind of things. I've never had, you know, big dreams about being a billionaire or being the biggest DJ in the world. It's always like these small little goals on the, on the road. So when I started DJing, it was, you know, I, I would really want to spill, uh, play at this uh, little local bar. And then once I was there, oh, I would really like to play at that bigger club that's in the next city over. And it's like been these tiny uh, steps all the way. And the same thing with what I do today with my with my company Telgio is 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 really the same. We bootstrapped it. We we didn't take big investment money, and we just kind of built small things a- along the way. And 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 when customers ask for a feature that we didn't have, we built it. And then we all of a sudden started catering to bigger customers because of that. And so it's always been these like little stepping stones, not huge idols that you know aspire. And, and this is my mission to become the best in the world. And right there, that that's never really been been anything for me. I love that. I love that, Peter. And I mean, you started your own company, which is amazing. So t- tell me about that. Like, how was it to start? <laughs> then how did you scale? You know, it kind of also just fell into my lap. <laughs> it's weird how, how that happens for me. So uh, the, the, the backstory about it is really after I pulled back on, on the music for a while, I, I started getting back into it after a year or so. And I actually did it on a much higher level than I had done previously. But at least this time I had learned a lot from last time. I started producing and writing for a, an artist in Denmark. And in 2012, I was all of a sudden on tour, both with that artist and also as myself, DJ, I've played a lot in Vegas and pretty much all over the world. And at the same time in Scandinavia on tour. So in 2012, I think I paid 382 or three gigs or something like that in a year. Wow. And that was my second burnout right there. Um, as I was on a gig in Vegas, I met my now wife. She's from Los Angeles and she was out there visiting some common friends. She came to Denmark and I was kind of, I had already at that point told my manager, hey, let's uh, scale back on the gigs for a little bit. I need to make more music. I didn't even have time to make new music. So I kind of like needed to do that. So I was kind of like, you know, I had a little bit more free time at that point. And and she she came over uh, to visit me in Denmark and um, hung out. And and then we kind of just had the idea for for Telcio, which is a completely different thing. You know, it's a business phone service provider, right? And then (laughs) a platform. So I started coding that. She was there and and uh, when she traveled back to the to the U.S. after her tourist visa ended, we were like, "Well, I mean, this is fun. Let's um, let me get a visa because I could get you know an artist visa. I could still come over and DJ. That was how I could make money. So the plan was really I was gonna do that. So I got an artist visa, moved to L.A., uh, had written kind of the the first version of What's Now Telcio, and when I came over, we launched that together in the summer of 2013. And with no money, I literally came with two backpa- uh, two bags with, with clothes and, and $1,500 on my bank account. And that was it. Uh, wow. She cashed in her 401k. Then we just, I took a little bit of consultant uh, jobs here and there. And we, we I, I DJed a little bit in Vegas once in a while and to, to kind of men- make ends meet. But we just bootstrapped it and we got a couple of customers. And then, you know, after maybe two years, we could all of a sudden actually pay a salary to ourselves and and hire our first employee and and we've just been you know grinding from for the for the first many years 
I love that. Oh my God. And I love how music kind of led you guys together and then to create this beautiful journey. Oh my goodness. So when did you, when did you start it? Was it a long time ago? Uh, We started in 2013, summer of 2013. Yeah. So 10 years, pretty much to the dot. I think we launched the first version right when I moved to the U.S. to to be with uh, Diana and and, and launched the the company, uh, which was May 2nd, 2013. So that's exactly 10 years ago. Wow. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love it. And tell me a little bit more about Telzio. You know, like how does it work? How does it function? All of that stuff. So the reason why I built it was really just because I had another idea for a piece of software for, for music, uh, like for promotion, promoting music to uh, like between DJs and producers or radio stations and record labels and, and kind of distributing some. So I was working on that and, and I needed a phone system that could, you know, do tech support and, and, you know, and have like a menu that sounded somewhat professional. I mean, I couldn't really find anything where it's just like a software out of the box, you know, sign up, get a phone number and a, create a menu kind of thing and forward the calls to my cell phone. There wasn't really anything that was just like easy and especially not outside the US. So I was like, okay, I guess I just got to code it myself. And I started doing that and it was fun, right? So the first very version that we built was just kind of just like a, a, a call forwarding service almost where you could sign up and you could get a phone number, you could set up a little menu, press one for a service, a customer service, press two for sales and all these things. And then I built this little, uh, what I call a call flow editor, where you, it's like drag and drop, uh, where you can insert these little widgets. No one had that at that point. Now everyone has kind of copied that feature uh, in the industry, but but we were the first ones to do that. And that was that was very uh, new and innovative 10 years ago. Yeah, we built that out and, and, uh, and, and, and then from there, you know, added more features as people were asking for them. And today it's a full-fledged phone service or communication solution, I would actually call it, because not even just phone service anymore. It's also, you know, texting, uh, everything else around. Uh, we're building a bunch of AI stuff in, obviously, now, and, and, and all other channels, uh, all kinds of communication. So really just a communication solution for businesses, all B2B. That is so awesome. Oh, my goodness. And it's been 10 years that you've been growing this company with your wife, which is amazing. Yeah, you know, like that's that's also one of the things that we were told constantly when we when we started out, like you can't do that with your girlfriend or we weren't married, obviously, at that point, but <laughs> like or, or your wife, like and, and that's probably also why we didn't get any investments in the beginning, you know, like we, <laughs> we had to actually bootstrap it uh, because people like they're not going to invest in a couple like that. That's I wouldn't even do that. But, you know, we, we figured it out. I feel like we cracked the code, but it's it's been rough. You know, there, there's definitely it's, there's, it's challenging working with your partner. And then I'm going to lie about that. There's, uh, there's ups and downs and then just having a, a startup and bootstrapping in itself, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not easy. And then doing it with your, with your partner, one of the most competitive industries in the world where you that, that naivety is, is why we're probably where we are today, because logically you shouldn't do what I'm doing. <laughs> what are some lessons that that you would recommend? So anyone who's listening right now that, you know, maybe is thinking about going into business with their spouse or is in business with their spouse, give us some insight yeah. tips on how to make that happen. Um, make sure to define your roles and don't and actually be very, very conscious about not stepping over each other's territories. So Diana, uh, like I said earlier, she's very um, business savvy, very smart girl. Yeah, I mean, just anything business. She's smart. I'm not. So she runs all of that, uh, the, the whole business side. She uh, runs our, our sales and marketing teams. And I am, on the other hand, very creative and technical. So I run, you know, product and, you know, the vision for, 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 all, for all that and then engineering. Uh, so we're very, very defined uh, and I mean, sometimes we don't even talk at work for a week uh, because 
well, we probably do in, in, in meetings, but you know, like we, it's, it's, it's not that we, we, we don't really talk about each other's things at work even. It's, it's, it's very, very defined. And I think that's really important. And, and then we try to not do it at home, or at least she tries to remind me to not talk about it at home. And I'm getting better, I think. I think that's really the key. Try to, uh, to keep those, those things separate because at some point it's just going to be, yeah, too much for, for one of them. Absolutely. I love that. I love that. And like, what, what is the vision for the long-term growth? I mean, like for you, like what's, what's next in your world? That's the funny thing, right? For, for me, we do have some, 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 you know, plans with the company in terms of, uh, and we're actually raising money now for the first time. Uh, and we're doing all these things that forced us to create a long-term plan for, for where, where we're taking it because we're taking investors in and there has to be one. But for me, it's always been about, uh, the next little thing, what's in front of me, right? So, um, and and that is probably the ADD thing. I, it's it's that thing that's that's in front of me that's interesting. So for me, it's really it's just about what is the next feature we're gonna build. What is the next? Because I have a, a bigger vision with the product. There's always a lot of things we can build with communications in general. That's it's, that's why it's a fun industry to be in. But for me, it's really just about what is the next ten features that we can build, and then already thinking about like how can I tie those in together. And I've been waiting since twenty. 17, I think, on building what we're about to release now, uh, which is like a, we call it an AI attendant. We actually registered AIattendant.com back in 17, because we knew that we needed to build AI features for communications. That's just like a logical thing. Uh, we've just been kind of waiting for the technology to be ready for it. And lo and behold, here we are. Now we can actually release something that's really cool. I love that. That's super exciting. <laughs> My goodness, Peter, you've had such an such an interesting career from the time you were super little, the DJing, the shows, the this, the Telzio to all of this to AI now, right? Yes. Yeah. So cool. So, so <laughs> cool. And I'm interested because you've learned a ton of life lessons throughout like, this journey. You know, you mentioned like you had the, you know, the burnouts and all of that stuff. Now, this is my favorite question and I'm interested to see, to hear what you come up with on this one, because <laughs> it could be business, personal, whatever you feel and comes to your heart. But what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now? I think my older self is going to tell me to work less and be more with my kids than I am right now. So Diana and I, we had twins a year and a half ago. So obviously that's taking up a lot of time, but I work a lot. I work 14, 15 hours a day, every single day. Um, I try to keep the weekends off so I can be with them. And we have a nursery room up here at our office where we can actually have the babies around. But I wish I had more time and I'm probably going to regret a lot uh, that I don't have more time. I mean, I, I'm, I'm with them every morning for about an hour and then I leave and I come back, hope if I'm lucky, right before they go to bed. And then, you know, they sleep in our bed so I can cuddle them all night. But as I sit and, and you know, I come home from work and I'll, I'll work for in, from the bed, from my laptop, from like maybe nine o'clock until two in the morning and just sit next to them so I can at least, you know, I get that part. But I'm probably going to re regret it later. But at the same time, I need to do so many things. I'm, <laughs> you know, I can't stop doing the other things either. It's difficult. Well, it's a sacrifice. It's the entrepreneurial sacrifice, right? So that that way we can create that dream life so we can get there and, and then be able to have the time to enjoy, you know, when you scale no things to the right degree. I love that, Peter. I love that. Oh, you have been super inspiring. I love your diverse journey throughout everything. And mm -hmm. it's just, it's been, it's been incredible. Now, what I would say, what is your one biggest piece of advice for entrepreneurs, whether it has to do business, like 
strategy, life. Maybe just be naive and, and stubborn. That's what has worked out for me <laughs> my whole life, pretty much. Like, I, I'm very naive. And like I said earlier, I, I, I quote uh, P.B. Long stalking, uh, stalking a, a lot. Uh, you know, I, I've never done that before, so I'm sure I'm good at it. That naivety, uh, you know, having the, I almost say the balls to go up against AT&T, but I wouldn't even say that because it has nothing to do with that. It's just that being naive to think that you can do that in the first place or, or these big corporations that multi-billion dollar international corporations go up against them. Of course you can. I mean, if you're naive enough to try, and that's probably why not a lot of people do it because they're not, uh, you know, trying. So, and then a lot of stubbornness, right? Just be stubborn and just like, if someone tells you no, just let that fuel you instead. That's... I love that. I love that too. Thank mm. you so much, Peter. You have been absolutely incredible, my friend. Thank you so much for being here, for sharing your story, your lessons and all the things. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now you got to let everyone know where to find you and your awesomeness. Yeah. Petersroda.com. There's not much on it. There's just a bunch of links to my social media, but uh, there's my email address. There's uh, everything. So if anybody wants to reach out and say hi, that please do go to my website. You are amazing, Peter. Thank you so, so much for being here, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. That was a lot of fun. I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Catch us next week, always dropping on Thursdays. And remember, if you're interested in real estate or want to learn how to create more money and magic in your life, check out meetwithpamela.com and let's chat. Sending you so, so much love. All we know is over time, working like some underdogs. Underdogs. underdogs.